the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. One of the things that I challenge my associates to do is to try to pick up business at a 7-Eleven. It's one of the games we play. And so I'll send them out and say, okay, listen, go to 7-Eleven or Starbucks today and I want you to come back with two pieces of business. And so I'm a big believer in that the introduction is the most important part of your day. I think most people want help. They just don't want to ask for help. And it's incumbent upon us to be first. And so to say hello and to be in a position to say, hey, can I help you? That is the most powerful question I think you can ever have. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, buddy? Tyson, my friend, it's good to hear your voice. I hope you're doing well. I am. It's been busy. I have a day off from the trial because it's Columbus Day, which is a nice little break, but I'm exhausted. Otherwise, I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. That's good because we're recording two podcasts today, and our first guest today is Albert Hartley. Albert is the founding member of the Hartley Law Group PC out of Chesapeake, Virginia. Albert, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Albert and I met a few months ago back at John Fisher's Mastermind Group. Albert and I sat next to each other at the closing dinner, and we had a lot of laughs after having spent time in that sort of intense mastermind scenario where everybody's sort of analyzing you and squeezing your brain and making your head hurt with new ideas and and great new strategies. It was nice to just kick back with Albert and sort of talk like real human beings. I'm surprised that Albert actually wanted to actually come on the podcast after spending that much time with you just sitting right next to you. I'm actually really shocked by that. So, Albert, I, I feel sorry for you that you had to spend an entire day sitting next to Jimmy. Well, it's not a problem. Except he just kept eating off my plate, which was just, you know, that's a little unnerving. But it, it was okay. We we got to share a lot of food. It was good. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us a little bit about how you started your firm and how you got things going. Well, it's interesting. I come from a uh, middle-class background. My father and my mother, my dad's a contractor, so they sort of built their company out of the ground. And I'm the first one in my family to ever go to college on either side, as far back as when our family originated. And then law school was sort of like this goal. So really, mine was a locality-based genesis, frankly. I mean, I started going to law school in Virginia Beach and then sort of put myself through law school selling real estate as a real estate agent, which is kind of where everything started for me. Albert, tell us a little bit about Chesapeake, how big it is, what your clientele looks like, and sort of how the community is as it relates to the legal field. 
Sure. So the Chesapeake is a bedroom community situated between the contiguous cities of Norfolk and Virginia Beach and Suffolk and Portsmouth. And we're regionally known as Tidewater. If you're from here, our zip code is the 757. And so we comprise a total population of around 1.7 million people when you put all the cities together, which when I tell people that, they're like, really? That's true? And it's a very large metropolitan area. We have the largest naval base in the world here. We are a large port, and Chesapeake serves as sort of a suburban city in service to the more densely populated areas of Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Portsmouth, and Suffolk. And so my hometown, when I grew up here back in the 70s, I think it was formed in 63. We had an approximately 45,000 people to start the city off, and today we have roughly 370,000 people in the city of Chesapeake. Albert, what would you say are your most effective ways of attracting clients in that type of city, that type of environment? Well, you know, this area is very interesting because we have what they consider a transient population because of the military, but there is a core group of people here that are still, I can say this, they're very Southern in the way they want to know where you're from and and who you know. And so mine was always based on network marketing. I really have never done any print marketing or media marketing at all for the first 18 years of my practice. So here I would find what I consider to be business originators, such as financial planners, accountants, real estate agents that knew me. And then I would ask two basic questions. Number one, I'm building my practice and I want you to help me build it. And number two, if, if I can help you build it, what kind of legal services are you looking for? And the third question, which I always asked when I was a young attorney was, I may not know what to do, but I'll figure out how to do it if you trust me to hire me. And those are the three things that I still teach my associates today. Albert, when we were writing over to the mastermind and you were explaining to me how your firm worked, I, it took me a little while to really understand how all the pieces fit together. Cause you know, Tyson and I spend a lot of time on the show talking about niching down, but I think in a, a smaller town like Chesapeake, you sort of have to, and I know you do work in a couple of different practice areas. Can you talk to us a little bit about your mindset of sort of what fields you practice in? Sure. It's a hub and spoke kind of model. The overarching general principle is that we consider ourselves the trusted advisor to our um, clients who are our, our relationships. Many many of my clients are, are teachers or coaches I had in high school and people I've met through church communities. So our practice areas are centered around typically real estate, estate planning, business, and personal injury. Those are the four main areas that we kind of focus on. And that will basically hit a demographic of somebody who's a small business owner, family of two kids. And what we try to do is have at least, my goal is to have nine to 12 transactions with that client over the course of their relationship with the firm. That's interesting. So do you ever have any issues with business clients because you handle personal injury claims? You mean having a conflict, Tyson? Well, no, not necessarily a conflict, but just do any of your business clients have a problem with you actually like handling personal injury claims because a lot of personal injury claims actually deal with businesses. Yeah, no, that's interesting. They, uh, what really happens to us is we will get referred by the same people on different sides of a real estate transaction. That happens to us every other month, frankly. Last week I got referred by a purchaser and I got referred a seller and they were in odds with one another. So once we finally get our conflicts checked, when that initial contact comes in, that can be kind of difficult. As for a personal injury with a business client, 
we decline that if the case is against somebody that we've represented, obviously, because there's a conflict. But the personal injury is a kind of a, a market force here that people know if you're in the business of, of legal services, that's a moneymaker for most people. And so my business clients just take it as, a, as an opportunity for entrepreneurship for me, and they, they don't hold that against me. Albert, now with Chesapeake being nestled between these sort of bigger cities, are you doing legal work outside of Chesapeake, or is your focus entirely in town? No, actually, we do work in Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Portsmouth, Suffolk. All the courts are really they're the, they're really different in the sense of each particular city has its own. Uh, I'm going to use the word personality for lack of a better term. The judges have their own personalities, so you really have to accommodate the different courts and the different judges to match. Obviously, Chesapeake's our uh, bread and butter. That's where everybody knows us the most. But to be successful, there's so much interaction across the cities, which I think is a unique geographical oddity here compared to other places that I've visited. You know, here, the one distinction here, which is, I think is always interesting, is that we have something called the Newport News Williamsburg, which is across the, the waters, across the bay. And those are really distinct markets. It's rarely rare that you would have lawyers or anyone on this side, what we consider the south side, let's say the, the closest part to North Carolina, dealing with work in Hampton, Newport News, and Williamsburg on that peninsula. So that's probably the only distinction. But if you're practicing law in the 757, you're going to do work in all the cities. That is a crazy dynamic. That is, it's really interesting. It just, it is. It's, one of those, it's just another example of how, you know, we, we don't all have the exact same issues, you know, when it comes to marketing. So that's, that's really incredible. So let me ask you this. What would, do you think is your biggest struggle when it comes to marketing? Well, I, I think the biggest struggle is to transition from only working with people that I know to having clients who may not know us, but we've gotten more regional exposure now that are coming in without a, what I call a, a warm referral. I typically would not take a client who hasn't been referred to me by somebody else or two other people. And so, which is, I know that sounds insane, especially when I was at the mastermind and there was so much social media marketing and calls were just coming in, sort of cold calls. That was really foreign to me because we focus primarily on relationship building as a trusted advisor. So we have, we're actually skeptical of someone who just calls in off the website. Right. So then that's happening more and more because I've been doing more Facebook marketing, which has been really successful. And that's been a really interesting transition as a challenge to how to handle a client who doesn't know our history, doesn't know our firm and have to educate them first before we can really develop a relationship with them. Albert, how are you doing that? I mean, how do you educate them about yourself and why do you think it's important that you need to educate them? Don't you really just want them to hire you? It's interesting. Yeah, maybe if I was a better marketer, I would ignore that. I would just like just hire me and be done. Actually, it goes back to our philosophy as as a firm that we are the trusted advisor and that our purpose is to use our legal knowledge to free people and to bring freedom to people who are in sort of situations that they feel bound up. So part of our initial practice is to have them come in and we actually interview the client and they interview us to see if it's going to be a fit. The first meeting, we typically rarely talk about the case itself for the first 20 minutes. And so our, my initial consultations are always an hour. Most of the time, they're not, they don't, I don't charge for them because I do not want to feel obligated to take the client on. And I have turned down, I can give you an example of this. A lot of times we get referred real estate investors 
who do not want a long-term relationship. They just want us to handle their real estate because I, I do a lot of high complex real estate litigation as well as investing strategies. And if that particular investor does not want to buy into our firm purpose, our values, and our mission as it relates to having a long-term relationship with this person, we typically will decline the representation because it reflects in our ability to really get a price structure that makes sense for us down the road because if it's just for that one transaction, we typically realize there's a lot of pressure to have the cheapest services provided to them with the lowest cost, and that's not really our model. I'll be honest with you, Albert. I'm kind of blown away by this. I am so, like, shocked by this. I mean, it's so different than what everyone else is doing. So, Sorry, I'm not trying to be original, Tyson. <laughs> no, it's, it's really it's really crazy. I, I love it. I mean, I know you I know you said a lot of it's network marketing. So, I mean, I guess what do you do? I mean, give me some more specific, specifics as you actually do this because – I mean, this is right. insane. I mean, this is this is awesome, but just yeah. give some more details about how you, how you network. So, okay, so one of the things that I challenge my associates to do is to try to pick up business at a 7-Eleven. It's one of the games we play. And so I'll send them out and say, okay, listen, go to 7-Eleven or Starbucks today, and I want you to come back with two pieces of business. And so I'm a big believer in that the introduction is the most important part of your day. And it's one of the things that I liked about Jim is that he was so willing to be to introduce himself and interact, which – I'm kind of a big personality anyway, so I think most people want help. They just don't want to ask for help, and it's incumbent upon us to be first. And so to say hello and to be in a position to say, hey, can I help you, that is the most powerful question I think you can ever have. So when you go to an accountant, a financial planner, or a real estate agent and say, listen, how can I help you, many times those relationships start without any monetary transaction at all. I'll be honest with you, at all. Many times, a real estate agent will call me, and I may get 50 calls a month, and they don't even do work with our firm, meaning I don't do their closings, I don't do their transaction. They call me, and I use that as a marketing opportunity for them to know that I'm a resource for them. They will refer me probably five pieces of business in the next two years. So every time someone calls me for a two-minute question, which I'll answer quickly, I can pretty much guarantee that if I follow up with that person with a thank you letter, a phone call, an email, I'm going to get four or five pieces of referral business. It has nothing to do with that real estate agent's transactional work. And so it becomes an obsession to try to find what I consider to be case originators, which are the financial planners, the accountants, and the real estate agents, because they are actually dealing with people who have problems. They can't solve the problem typically because it's an area that's outside of their expertise. But if we are their trusted advisor, they're coming to us first. And so our goal is to make sure we have those relationships with those folks on a consistent contact basis. I think this is a great message. We're talking with Albert Hartley from Chesapeake, Virginia. Albert, I think that it just goes to show that we don't need to be running around every time asking for a quid pro quo or viewing everything that we do with some kind of back-end agenda. You're just building relationships. And I'm interested to hear about this you said game that you play with your <laughs> where you drop them drop them off at seven eleven. Like when I was fifteen my dad dropped me off at the corner of Clayton Road and Brentwood and said, Jimmy, don't come home till you have a job and that's sort of what I'm envisioning with you sending out your yeah. minions to seven eleven and tell us how yeah. that worked. Well, I mean, you know, we're a working class community. A lot of these folks here are, are hard working folks and, you know, we I always tell my associates, you can't really know a client until you go meet a client. And so I'm naturally spastic anyway, so I like to get out of the office. And so 
I, when I first started practicing, this is going to sound horrible, but I would go to the traffic courts and I'd do a traffic case and I would hang out. I was 26 years old and I needed to make some money. And then the people in the court were like, would say, Mr. Harley, can, can you represent me? I'm like, sure. And I'd go to the ATM across the street of the city hall building, get $300, come back and represent them in the case. I mean, that level of hustle has got to be consistent. And I've been practicing 18 years. So what I do is I tell the associates, I don't want you coming back here today until you've met somebody new, ask them if they need help. And if they needed help, how can you help them, whether they retain you or not? And to force someone out of their comfort zone in line at 7-Eleven or in line at Wawa or in line at Starbucks to say, hi, my name is Albert Hartley. I practice law in the community, and I was wondering if you needed any help with legal services or any help in general. Our firm's here to help you. And what a powerful statement that is to, to be someone who can actually significantly impact somebody outside of their own profession. I think that's, that's what I love about practicing law. I love the talk about the hustle, and I love the, the mindset that everybody is a potential client. Because I think that that's lost on some people. So I think that, that is amazing. I really like that. Tell me something about this, though, because you have associates. Do you find it difficult to teach hustle? Do you find it difficult to actually keep the hustle going with your associates? And how do you deal with that? Fire a lot of them sometimes. No, there's two types of attorneys. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible, I should say. No, there's two types of associates. There's the ones that are naturally uh, charismatic. That's one personality type. And then, for example, like my right-hand guy, Ryan Sawyer, who's a, who's a really great lawyer, but he's not somebody who enjoys the, the hustle. But what he's what I call an intra-hustler, an I-N-T-R-A hustler, which means once he's got a client, he will try to find ways to add value to that client that have nothing to do with their case, which is how I teach him to do it. Because he's not going to, he's just kind of a shy, introverted guy. He's not going to get up to someone at 7-Eleven and say, hey, can I help you? But what he will do is is listen on the phone with a, new, a client that he's working with me, and he'll say, we can help you with that. And we, we can add value to that. Or he'll send an article to a client that has nothing to do with their case that he saw. And that's that's just another level of intra-hustling. It's not, and you're not, he's not going to be a rainmaker. That's not his skill set. But what he will do is to dig deep. And what I call, what we talk about at the firm a lot, is we are going to dig wells, not ponds. And wells actually give water back. Ponds get putrid and stale. So, Tyson, if I find a, an associate who's just splashing around the pond as if he's being successful, I'll typically drain that and put him down the road or her down the road. Very interesting. There goes Albert draining the swamp. Well, <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to make add, the reference. I was going to leave it alone. Yeah, yeah, I had to do it. I had to do it. Listen, one of the other things we do is we spend a lot of time going to funerals and weddings. That's another thing we do a lot of. And our clients are very much engaged with us in regards to their kids and their family members. And and we, I, I probably attend 20 to 30 funerals a year maybe and probably get invited to that many weddings. I don't attend the weddings because I just can't, uh, from a logistic point of view, the funerals I go to because it's a significant life event, but we go to the hospitals. We have documents signed where they can't. I just spent an hour and a half, two, two weeks ago, at a nursing home with clients. And let me tell you something, you talk about marketing, have your lawyer show up at your nursing home to do estate planning document signing, and you'll get work. I got two other cases out of that visit. Albert, I got to tell you, man, I I am flummoxed. I am flummoxed. I mean, this is really interesting. I think it's just a testament to what you've built and your philosophy. And sort of tell us 
how has it grown? How has it developed over time? And and I know this is the kind of thing that takes time to build when you're talking about investing so much energy into a relationship. Give us an example or two of sort of how that's really helped your firm grow. One of the problems that I'm having, you asked me earlier, one of the challenges, the challenges is replicating myself and in a system. Because what's happened to me is that I built this thing. I mean, I can't work. I got 168 hours a week. I, I, I have to develop more systematic approaches, which is what we're doing in 2018. We're actually launching our firm as a concierge firm. And what that means is we're going to be doing a much more systematic approach on client profiles. And so what we're, we're trying to do is, as we've grown the firm, is to be more systematic on what are our key types of client originators and to purge the firm on an every six-month basis instead of every 12 months. So one of the ways we grow is every December, the firm meets as a team, staff, and attorneys. We all bring a list of names of clients that we want to fire, all of us. Every one of us brings a name, uh, typically three of them. We put them on pieces of paper. We put them in a bowl. We tally them up. And what ends up happening, we usually have the same three names, that comes up and we basically end the professional relationship with that client. And we do that every December. Wow. That is a really, really good idea. And it's a bold idea. It's one of those things where, you know, it's, it gets everybody on the same page though. Cause you're, everyone clearly has a problem with that client. You don't need to have it around anymore. So this is this idea of purging is a really, really good idea. I'm with you though, Jimmy. I mean, this is probably to me the most interesting podcast episode we have had just because it's so different. So it's kind of hard to actually develop questions for this, but this is this is actually really good, Albert. I'm glad you're sharing this stuff with us. What I was going to say is we're actually having to open – the goal for next year is to have an, an office in each of the cities now because our the way our dynamic works – you really have to be locally connected. So what I'm identifying are, are attorneys who grew up in the area, who have a local connection, and we're actually moving into those localities with a specific – so the next office we're going to open is in Norfolk, and that's going to be a central hub there built around agents and real estate agents and accountants that I already know and financial planners that I already know in that city. We're going to actually open one up in Virginia Beach, and it's not going to be full offices, but it's going to be a place where clients can come and have a contact center which will allow us to service their needs. And I will tell you, we spend a lot of time connecting clients with other clients now. Jim, you asked about how it grows. That's one of the ways we do it. You know, a lot of times they'll come to us and say, hey, I'm looking for real estate in Chesapeake or I'm looking for a financial planner. And we will do the introductions and not have any economic benefit out of it except building the relationship that we've established. So what I tell the associates is find ways to connect our clients with other clients or with other people and make sure you take care of them. You make sure it's taken care of correctly. That is an investment in that relationship. So you're, you're really building value with the clients and, and helping them maximize their own businesses. Albert, are, I know this is sort of a loaded question, but are other attorneys in Chesapeake like you, or do you think that even within Chesapeake, <laughs> your, your philosophy is unique? No, I, I think really, I, you know, someone said to me one day, you're just different. I mean, Jim, you met me and it's like, mm, yeah, I just see the world differently. I always have, you know, I'm one of these guys who I love to play tennis, but I love Broadway and I've just always been weird. I don't fit in. I love people. And it's really weird to have an attorney tell your staff, like, listen, if you don't love your clients, 
If you don't truly love your clients, you're looking at a miserable profession. Most lawyers are miserable because they don't love their clients. And to love somebody means you have to be selfless with them. And at times, you know, this business does not allow you to make a lot of money. And so I've just avoided this idea that in order to be happy, you have to be wealthy. I think that's a false dichotomy. I don't believe in it. If I catch my associates putting their interests above the client, they are terminated. They are absolutely terminated. And it's an investment in that. But I think it, you know, we're building significance, not success. If that makes any sense, what I'm saying? That makes perfect sense. I, I'm, I'm curious, do you have an onboarding process for your employees to sort of teach these philosophies, or are these just things that they gain over time? I do have an onboarding process. One of the agreements we have, we have a, a list of about 30 things that they have to agree to. One of them and our values is that the truth is not negotiable. That's one of our values. The truth is not negotiable. And that's a really interesting concept to attorneys at times. They, they, you listen to that and go, and what that means is sometimes the client's wrong. The client's wrong. If they've done something wrong, you should tell them, no, you're committing fraud. It's wrong. We don't negotiate the truth. We may not like it. It may hurt us, but we don't negotiate the truth. And so we spend a lot of time finding lawyers who have common, and we do a 90-day sort of uh, probationary period. Because what I do in the first 90 days is to put a lot of pressure on the associates to challenge them in a variety of tasks, whether it's the 7-Eleven challenge or whether it's giving them a client that I know. I will call the client and say, listen, I've got a new associate. I want you to interact with them for me, and I, want you, I've got a, I know you've got a case. I want you to give me feedback on them. And they'll say, sure, I'll do that. And what I'll do is I'll give them the associate, and then I will get a breakdown from the client within a week of what's working and what's not working from the client. That's great. That's so good. I'll also do a ghost case, Tyson, where I actually make up a case and flush it through the system to make sure it's being done correctly. Wow. That is far more advanced than anything I do. Jesus. Well, Jimmy, I think we're about up against the time. Do you have any more questions? I know I've got a lot, but I I don't want to go too far over the time. The only other question I had for Albert was, Albert, without going into the details of anything you don't want to reveal about the mastermind with John, what was your biggest takeaway from the experience? Because, you know, Tyson and I have both gone. We both are big fans of John's events. And I was just wondering, sort of, I know that was your first time there, what what you came away with. I'll tell you, I was so blown away by that. I needed that so much in my professional life and my personal life. It challenged me to be a better person and a better lawyer and to really make my business better. And the level of transparency amongst the professionals of that group profoundly changed my life, profoundly changed my life. And I, I hope to emulate it, frankly. That's fantastic. Well, Albert, you've been a, a fantastic guest. Before oh. we get to our tips and our hacks, I do want to remind everybody to go to the Facebook page, uh, request to uh, join the group there, and then also check us out on iTunes, give us a five-star review or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? So mine is an interesting one. My hack of the week is to find yourself an eight-year-old. What do I mean by that? Well, you might remember if you've ever seen the movie Philadelphia where Denzel Washington was a personal injury attorney and he would always start off by saying, you know, explain it to me like I'm in second grade or explain it to me like I'm eight years old. And this weekend I had, I was driving my daughter to her soccer game and her games keep getting further and further from the house. But on Friday I received this package from Scorpion, the web marketers, and they sent me this uh, video inside this fake briefcase. And when you open up the briefcase, then the video plays. And, and it was all about 
it was all about website and SEO optimization and all this stuff. And so she had a ton of questions. She loved the video. She opened it, closed it, opened it, closed it. She was asking me, you know, what is SEO? What is a website? Why do you need, why do you need them? And I kept saying, well, I think I can do it myself. And so she, she was asking a lot of good questions. So I just sort of took that as an opportunity to think about and reflect on how I convey information and how I explain things to people. And I know it sounds silly to try to explain things on that level, but I really think that, especially with me, where a lot of my clients don't necessarily speak English as their first language, it was just a great lesson for me in the car on the way to soccer practice this weekend. Very nice. Albert, you got a tip for us? Yeah, I've set a lot of phone conferences. That's the tip that I use a lot. Don't try to play phone tag with people. Set aside a dedicated 15 minutes to speak to a client. Make sure they understand the, the parameters in which the phone call is going to be taking place. A lot of times it can save you multiple hours of prep if you have a set-aside 15 minutes with them. That's a great example. We do the same thing. It's it's very important. And then that way, know, they know exactly when you're calling. They know We know what the call is about, so you can actually prep for it and so you're not blindsided by a random question you, you haven't gotten right. in five years. So that's, that's a really good one. Uh, mine is another book, and this is actually something that John Fisher will like. It's the book Faster Than Normal. It's by Peter Shankman. It's his brand new book. I just got it the other day. It's 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 a really good read. I recommend it. And I'm, I'm sure John Fisher's already read the, the thing from start to finish because he, he loves Peter Shankman. But Peter Shankman has got a lot of really good books. And so I'm sort of, I've gotten on to Peter Shankman since John Fisher recommended his book. So I, I highly recommend it. You guys got anything else? I just want to say thank you for letting me come on and, and talk a little bit. It's really been a thrill for me. Absolutely, Albert. You, you've been great. And this is the first time I've ever spoken to you, but it's, it's really fun. So we're, we're at the Connect later on. So I, I appreciate you coming on. Jimmy, got anything? No, thanks, Albert. See you, Tyson. See you, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. Maximum Have a great week and catch you next time.